Hello and welcome back to the Thunder Sticks Podcast. I am your host, Ben Kreider, and today I'm going to be talking about what the Oklahoma City Thunder kind of need to accomplish heading into next year. And it's a gigantic question that really needs to be broken down in a separate part. And this is not going to be just like a one day story where I talk about it and then we're just kind of on to the next thing. Like this is a story where I might be talking about it like once a month or I might be talking about it during free agency, during the draft and just overall before the season starts again. Like this is very, very broad. And because of that, it's not just going to be completely covered today because of all the moving parts that we have going on and just a gigantic process that Thunder have ahead of them in the coming months. But I'm just going to break down kind of like right at the beginning. Like this is the first round pretty much just started. We haven't even gotten in the offseason. Nowhere close in terms of, you know, NBA terms, at least, um, you know, taking it by a day by day. It's like a month until the draft lottery. So we got a good ways to go until anything is figured out. There is a coin flip for the four and five picks. All the ties, they're going to be done at noontime. I'm recording this in the morning, so I'll get you guys the updates on that one. Probably on Twitter. You guys can find me, Ben Kreider. That is my at, just my straight up name. But yeah, you guys can find me there uh, for the live updates. It'll probably be on Twitter, but I'll cover it in the next episode anyways. So that's going to determine what happens beyond the one through four spots. Like if we can get down to nine, if we win the coin flip, the worst we can get is eight. So that's kind of big in its own right. But yeah, I mean, that's the only real significant thing we have in the next month. So I'm just going to go bit by bit kind of just week by week on what we see here and what it means for the future of the team. But just getting right into it for what I think the team needs to really go into into the offseason and what they need to accomplish, there is a lot of stuff. And I think the best way to put it before just like going into the nitty-gritty details of everything is the Oklahoma City Thunder they need to kind of have their framework of the rebuild set in place by the end of this year. Like by the start of next season, they should have a group that looks near fully assembled for not a championship run, but for like a playoff run to say, you know, this this group has a decent amount of cornerstones. The bench looks great. They can make some sort of noise in the next two or three years. Now, granted, they don't need to have a star-studded lineup of like all the top five picks plus SGA, Dort, all of them. They do not need to be there. They could be a piece or two away. Three, I think you're pushing it. But in terms of stars, I think you need to be able to come out of this with a lot of star potential, and there already is a lot on the roster currently with SJ. We know he is. Dort, defensively, he's already there. He's the best on the team, maybe one of the best guards just in general in terms of perimeter defense and even interior defense. He's pretty pretty solid, but offensively, Kenny kind of round his game out to say he is going to be a two-way star. I don't know. I think on the other side, like I mentioned, he kind of already is, but can he juice himself up to like you know, one of the top three players on a championship roster. I don't know exactly on him. And then it's just a lot of like shots in the dark. You know what I mean? Like Poku, we know he has a ton of potential. Maladone, he looks great. He looks like he'd be a great six man. Baisley, he showed a lot of strides, particularly in the end of the season finishing. But if he's not able to get it from three, I don't really know if you can put that label on him just yet. He has a lot of potential though. 
And the same goes with a good amount of guys. Like, I don't think there's star value in a guy like Moses Brown, but could he still maintain the levels of he can give you a quick double-double and, hell, if he bulks up, he'll be able to play, you know, pretty solid defense and maybe even extend his range? I don't know. Um, and then guys like Ty Drum, just like bench pieces and how they might develop over the years. But you need more people than just what we already have. I think we all know that. I think that you could currently run this team out with all the picks, just keeping this roster for the next five years. They'll be like a seven or eight seed. They wouldn't make much noise. So more more players just need to be applied here. And I think that's just what I'm going to go into and kind of how that could end up happening. And the first thing that you're going to see is the free agency. And I don't understand why the draft isn't first. I know that happens really with the NFL and it works a lot better because you know your needs more. Whereas with the draft, I think you, you know, you have a lot more needs you need to cover up. So, you know, you might get a ton of play. You could draft a ton of people in the same position. And then in free agency, well, the other need, you just can't find any talent in. So it is kind of a crapshoot. But in our case, it really doesn't matter because the draft is all about just drafting by value. I think I think that's how Presti would take it. But you still need to look at free agency. And there is a lot of questions that are going to be risen during free agency. And some of them are easy. And some of them, they are really not at all. So just breaking down the current free agents who are coming completely off the books. Like I'm not talking non-guaranteeing contracts or going to them later, but guys that are hidden free agency, restricted, unrestricted, whatever it may be, they're going to be off the team. And they are right now. There's five guys and two of them are two-way contracts. Three of them are standard contracts. And the three standard ones are Svi Mikhail Luke, Tony Bradley, and Mike Muscala. The two two-way contracts, we already know who they are. Josh Hall and Jalen Horde. they are going to be off the roster too. And when you look at these five names, you need to look at the ones that were, you know, not the two-ways, the guys that were on that 15-man roster because those are the ones that truthfully matter when it, come down, when it just comes down to the team and the draft. Like, you can come into training camp with, like, 18 guys, probably. You can have more than the 15, but you're not going to pick up any of these players unless you know surefire they're going to be on that 15-man roster. And I, I think if you don't have 100% certainty, you probably don't sign them. And Mike Muscala is the first one that comes to mind. Like, yes, he is a great like team guy, and he would be more or less like just like a Udonis Haslam or Nick Collison, like just an extra coach who loves the team. And obviously, he, is, he has expressed that, like he wants to stay with the roster, but is there enough room for him? I'm just going to go out and say probably not. You know, they were able to ditch Steven Adams in the snap of a finger. He looked like the new Nick Collison. Granted, Steven Adams is making like over $20 million a year to just set screens and I mean, rebound. That's about it. Mike Muscala, he could just bounce from minimum contract for the next 10 years and he'd still have a smile on his face. Like he wouldn't be a guy that would cost you much money at all. But I still think that roster spot means a lot. So I don't think he gets signed by us. Like there's going to be a team out there that would want Mike Muscala. And if they don't sign him immediately in free agency, he'd be a midseason pickup. Think like Ursan Ilyasova. I know that he got signed. I think it was the Utah Jazz that ended up picking him up. 
uh, I think a couple of months ago, he got finally snatched out of the pool. And yeah, he's on the Utah Jazz right now. But just stretch fours and stretch fives in general always tend to get contracts. Muscala is only 30 years old, so I don't even really think it'd be like an Ursan Ilyasova situation anyways, because Ilyasova is 34 and he's in the tail end of his career. Muscala has like three, four years left of production, so I think he'd be good as gone. Mutual party in a ways, and he still loved the Oklahoma City Thunder. Fan base would still love him. It'd be a done deal there. The other two, Antony Bradley and Sfima Kailuk, it's different because they can actually continue to contribute in the rebuild. I think both of them are 23 years old. Bradley might be 24, but I think he's 23. I know Mikhailuk's 23. I'm just going to flat out say both of them are 23 years old. And I don't think they're going to be fetching a ton of money. I'd say Mikhailuk probably would be getting more, but I don't expect them to be getting, be getting eight figures. Specifically, like Bradley's not going to be doing that. Maybe like five mil a year or something. That's about what he's making now. And Mikhailuk, you know, just bench shooters in general get you a decent bit of money. So I'd say, I'd say like six to eight mil. And they're both restricted free agents. So the Thunder would have first dibs on both of them. I think that Tony Bradley, though, would just be a guy that you would not worry about, really. Probably just let him walk because he's your decent backup. He's nothing really special, though. And he was great as a plug-and-play guy for the Oklahoma City Thunder for like the last, what, 20 30 games maybe ever since he got moved at the deadline he was a great piece but it's him and Moses Brown who'd be fighting because I'm under the assumption that the Thunder would probably want to take a center in the draft or just look somewhere else I don't think you look at Moses Brown as the guy at the center position right now there's definitely more room for improvement as a backup I think that's where he slots better just because you don't see the Goliaths like Rudy Gobert and Jokic, for example, just those, even Sabonis, I guess, too, just like those big, burly, strong as hell guys who aren't just like your typical, like, big men, you know, that's who Moses Brown kind of has dominated against, just the average Joe kind of center, you'd find a lot more of those off the bench anyways, so he'd probably be like a 20-minute just energy booster um, in an ideal spot for the Thunder, but they need to find a five, and Tony Bradley clearly would not be that, He'd be fetching like 15 to 20 minutes elsewhere, just like he was with Philadelphia. Or maybe there'll be like another rebuilding team that might use him for like a two-year contract, see if they can kind of build anything out of him because he definitely did show a lot with the Thunder. This was his best stretch in the NBA thus far because the Jazz and the 76ers, I guess the 76ers gave him a bigger window, but he didn't have like a big shot to just be the guy. The Thunder gave him that ability, and I think he'd carry that over pretty well to somewhere somewhere else. But I don't think the Thunder and him kind of have anything in future plans. They could, and it'd be cool because he'd still be a solid backup, but he's not an X-Factor that would kind of change the tides on anything. So I'd say they just let him walk, and both sides probably come out happy. With Mikhail Luke, though, I think it's a bit different because... This is a guy that the Thunder have been looking for for so long. And it's actually pretty funny because it's not just like Mikhailuk who fills the role now. There's also Ty Jerome who does this too. And you just need a shot creator off the bench who can score really at all three levels. And Jerome does it, Mikhailuk does it. Mikhailuk, he can play the two or the three. It's just a straight up wing. 
Jerome, he's not going to play the three for you. He's six foot five. He's just a combo guard, and that works out pretty fine. Now, on the surface, I think no doubt you'd want Makai Luke back. Like, we have not gotten a just straight up sharpshooter in a while. The last time I can think of signing a bench dude for the sole purpose of shooting was maybe like Alex Abrines or something. And I'm definitely missing out on some here, but Abrines. He was all right, but he wasn't spectacular. I'd say the only ones that really stick out, I guess it's just one guy. Anthony Morrow was amazing for us when he was here, but there's never been that like long, there's never been longevity at the position. Just a shooter off the bench hasn't worked out for us. And there's been so many different guys filtered in. Mikhail Luke would for sure stick out. And I know Presti knows that. I know a lot of people would know that, but would it work out i feel like yeah the thunder they'd probably want him to stick around you need to think about though you have kendrick williams he's clearly gonna have minutes gabrielle deck if he is for sure going to be part of your future he's eating up minutes at the three or four roby what happens with him he also eats up minutes it might just be there's not enough kind of food on the table for him and he gets booted out but i'd still like to imagine unlike bradley and muscala they might actually show interest, and hell, they might even snag him up. Like, I would not be opposed to that whatsoever. Six to eight mil for him, get him for a couple years. Yeah, he'd be a great bench piece. I don't really know if he turns into like a crazy dude for a playoff run, though. So you bolster the bench with him, just keep him tacked onto the board. And yeah, I think an offer would be made, but I don't think Presti would go crazy to keep him on the roster and that that's the tough cut here i think makai luke's the only question mark really anywhere that i'm talking about where it's kind of a toss-up but we'll kind of see what happens with him personally i'd probably lean towards no and it's pretty stupid because i think that yeah like a second round pick like the 34th or 36th pick wherever the thunder are right now they pick at 34 and 36 yeah you know, there's no guarantee either of those are better than Sfi Luke. It's probably not even in your favor to do that. But if the Thunder just want to go all out, draft potential, 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 maybe you could uncover some diamonds. Um, but I don't know. I think there might just be a tipping point to where they wouldn't want to pay him because of all the draft picks. You know, you do need to make those tough calls and say, we can trade up and there's probably not enough roster spots for a lot of these guys. So maybe they move on if they don't i'd still very be very happy in this situation i'm just gonna go out and say he like gets an offer sheet somewhere thunder don't match him he's gone and that's that's three guys that are off the books and for hall and horde i think that the thunder would probably want josh hall back on a second two-way contract i bet a lot of teams would with jalen horde i love him to death and i think that he could fill in as like a 13th 14th maybe in 15th man on a roster but i don't think the thunder would want him he just doesn't really fit what they need because he can't shoot the ball pretty much just darius Baisley. um but you know driving in it's definitely not the same i think he's good though i just don't think they'd show interest sadly hall let's just say he gets a two-way it's whatever there's three non-guaranteed guys that I have on here because I think these are the only question marks that people might have. One of them is not a question mark. It's Moses Brown. But yeah, I mean, obviously they'd keep him. Such a cheap deal. Gabrielle Deck, 
I think it's around 4 mil he's making, but I'm just going to go out and say they'd probably keep him around. He did have a couple of good games. Were they garbage minutes? Yes, they were, but regardless of the fact, he still played pretty productive there, and he wasn't really put into the system at all. He kind of showed up out of the OKC hotel, whatever, the Marriott, and started playing. So give him the summer, and he might be really, really good for us. I don't see him leaving. Charlie Brown Jr., though, is a guy that I see kind of as like a, I don't know, an Admiral Schofield, a TJ Leaf kind of player, probably even Isaiah Roby, where they entered training camp without that kind of agreement they that the you know he'd be on the roster next year. I don't think Charlie Brown would make it, honestly, because he's already 24. I just see him as kind of a lucrative piece you'd have stored on the Oklahoma City Blue roster. So I'd say they'd also cut ties with him. So that's four players and that 15-man group that you just take off the books. But there's two other guys that I want to attach here because I don't think, you know, I'll, I'll make a list on like who I want the Thunder to sign. Truthfully, I don't think they're going to be very active in signings. Maybe they'll get someone um, that's not already on the roster. But there's two players that, are kind of linked with the franchise that I think th- I think they'll get a contract here. Um, one of them for sure. The other one, I don't know. And the first guy is Vasily Micic. I had this guy's pronunciation down to a T like two months ago whenever he was in the news. Kind of falling off a bit because he hasn't had much noise. But there were rumors going around that Micic had kind of agreed to move over from the EuroLeague and sign with the NBA. And since the Thunder had the draft rights, he'd be signing to play with the Oklahoma City Thunder. And there was like a, I think it was just a typical, I don't know, daytime talk show where Michich's agent or someone who worked closely with him, some part of his management was on. I don't know how that works out that you know, Michich's manager would be on primetime TV somewhere, but it happened. And the question was asked about the Thunder. The guy pretty much turned down all speculation towards it. They could just say that for like anti-tanking purposes. I don't know if it crosses that barrier, but there was seemingly some interest stirred up from some camp, someone, whether it was just a journalist or actually someone from Michich's group, uh, kind of link the two together, the Thunder and Micic together. Personally, I don't see a signing happening here because at least not for the purpose of him suiting up for the Oklahoma City Thunder. There's already SGA and Maladon, and there's Ty Jerome. If you can find someone in the draft at the guard spot, there's just no room for Micic anyways. And plus, this isn't a guy who's like 22, 23 years old. He's 27. He's pretty much just entered his prime. If not, he's kind of in the midst of it. I think he'd want to be with the actual contributor, like someone pushing for the playoffs. So I see him more as a draft day trade to where we'd trade the rights, not his contract. Uh, the other guy, though, is someone I think we'd pick up, and that's Vit Kretschy. He's like a six foot eight point guard. We actually drafted him. We acquired him in this draft. Um, it was like our 54th pick where we got Cassius Winston as well as like an extra second round pick. We got the rights to Kretschy as well as Schofield. Cut ties with Schofield in training camp, but Kretschy has been in OKC for months now. He has been part of 
kind of that like media sign-in group he has access to go watch the games I'm assuming he's been working out with the Thunder but there's no pen and like paper agreement with him he was on the list for the OKC Blues roster this season but he never showed up in Orlando maybe the whole idea there was so he could be around the team during activities but he was never suiting up for the roster he think he tore like his ACL in September so there was no point he couldn't have even played he's gonna be good to go though the rehab is around the end it's not gonna be it's not completely over with right now but by tip off next year he should be good I don't know if he gets a 15-man spot automatically but I'd assume he'd be the second two-way contract barring that Hall would be the first one and if it's not Hall just take him out of the equation I don't care I think that Kretschy would probably be a two-way piece that if they allow for these two-way guys to play like 50 games or something with the Thunder, he'd be doing that. You want to see as much as you can find with him. Freak athlete at six foot eight. Now, I'm not talking like Jupiter jump. This guy is on a trampoline, but he, he has some pretty good hops for six foot eight. And shooting wise there's a question mark but there's enough potential there that he needs to be signed and I think the writing's kind of already on the wall he's going to be on the roster at some capacity with the Oklahoma City Thunder but with all this stuff that I said I know it's a little bit of rambling the roster got shed down to 11 and that includes no Makai Luke I'll just run down the list originally it's at 15 takeouts fee Bradley's gone Muscala's gone Charlie Brown Jr. is gone. And even if Charlie Brown Jr. is not gone now, I'd say at training camp, they probably cut ties with him. So I'm just going to take him out automatically. I'm saying there's going to be 11 players. And if you want to say Michic signs, you also put it at 12. If you want to say Krejci signs, it's at 12. But I'm just going to go at 11. And I'm going to say Krejci's a two-way. And Michic is going to be like just the draft rights. That's all you have right now entering a draft day. But the thing is, when you hit draft day, that's when everything really starts here. So I don't think there's going to be much noise going on for the Thunder in terms of free agency. Even when their roster was stacked, they couldn't get anybody big to sign in general. Like Nerlens Noel. Yeah, I guess Nerlens Noel is probably the biggest signing that they've had um, thus far. But yeah, just no one would sign anyways in the rebuilding phase. I don't see anyone significant wanting to tack on. Maybe they'd scout out another Euro League player, like a dude out of the G League, but I don't see much anyway. So you go into draft day, and the Thunder currently have five picks, and it's going to be their own selection. And then for that second pick that they're going to take, it's either going to be with the Houston Rockets pick if it drops to five or the Miami Heat, and that would be at pick 18, so it'd be either 5 or 18, and then you have three second-round picks, two of them are very high, you have 34, 36, and 55. I don't see the Thunder using all five of those picks for immediate roster spots. I think 55 is probably a draft and stash, and quite frankly, I don't really know if they're two second round picks or hell, even if they get the 18th pick, I don't know if all three of those are going to be taken. I think it'd be some sort of package deal potentially to move up or something because that's what the Thunder have done. You just have to look to this last year's draft. The Thunder did the same thing. They had the 25th pick and they had the 28th pick 
from I forgot which trade it was, but yeah, they had those two selections and oh yeah, it's from Schroeder. It's from Schroeder, that's who it was. But they had those two picks, Ricky Rubio attached them all in, and they got Poku a second round pick and James Johnson. Who cares about the other two? It's pretty much for Poku at 17. So they hopscotched like eight picks for Poku. And it worked out pretty well for everybody involved because Jaden McDaniels was one of the picks and Emmanuel Quickly was the other one. So everyone was good there. All three of those guys were steals for the respective spots. So you could potentially see that again, but I just want to go to the main spots, which is what we see at the very top of the draft. This is going to be about the lottery. The mid-round, the late first-round selections, there's a lot of hype anyways for the Thunder for these picks, but that's not going to be it. It's going to be about the top of the board and if the Thunder can secure some future stars or some potential stars in this draft class. Before you go into that, you have Al Horford, obviously. You probably need to move him, and that might actually gut you out of those second-round picks. So, I don't know. He's like a separate case, but... I'll just say that he probably gets traded with like a future first and Michich's rights, whatever. Just get him out of here. If he stays, he stays. It'd be very awkward though. Talked about it a ton of times. Like, I don't think you could just bring him back after letting him ride the bench for 40 games because he can't really do that next year. And we don't really have a purpose to play him anyways because then he's going to be 35 years old. So he probably gets moved. I'm just going to say none of these picks right now are part of it, though. That's likely subject to change. I think some of those picks get scooped out. But here's the big deal. We don't know where the Thunder are picking at right now, and that is going to really uncover this. I think that's going to change how I probably would do this episode. If the Thunder had picks 1 and 5, it really doesn't matter what goes on in free agency because the Thunder, they would be getting something along the lines of like Cade Cunningham at pick number one. Jalen Green is getting some steam there. I really like him, so I'd be cool with either, really. But let's just say Cade Cunningham and at number five, Scotty Barnes or Jonathan Kuminga. That is a future guard at the one or two. Doesn't matter to pair with SGA. And a three. You finally secure someone at the three spot in Kuminga or Scotty Barnes. It could be weird to where both of them or one of them is gone, but I think both of them would still be, one of them would be there at five. I'll put it that way. So you get a point guard and you get a small forward. There'd still be Poku, Bays, just everyone, all these different dominoes you can tack at. But let's say the Thunder in the worst possible scenario I guess technically they could get nine if they lose the coin flip, eight if they win it. But let's just say they get like pick eight and the Rockets get, you know, a top four pick. We don't see it. It's going to be eight and 18 at the very top of the board alongside the second round picks. That's pretty bad given all the Thunder have done this whole entire season. So trading up would need to happen. Let's say pick number eight's there. There's still someone, there's going to be someone that you would like up there. And it'd be like Scotty Barnes, Davion Mitchell, that'd bring you to seven, because I'm just going to say Kuminga's at five. And number eight, truthfully, I don't know, because I see it as kind of the top seven right now. Um, But yeah, I mean, you wouldn't be disappointed with whoever you pick at eight. It'd still be a future player you could have uh, for the rebuild and potentially as one of your franchise players. But you want to crack the code in the top five. Like, that needs to happen. And if you can get two there, 
that's perfect. But this is kind of my thinking. This is my thought process, and it may not be popular, but I'd rather just front load this. I'd rather speed through these picks, and there's a lot of these picks that you can go through. I think there's 17 first round picks until 2027. I might be off a little bit based on pick swaps, but there's a lot of future assets that the Thunder have. And Sam Presti talked about it even when talking about the free agents and guys like Svee and Tony Bradley, just really all of them. But they don't have the kind of room to keep some of these guys. And they're going to be letting go of valuable players during this rebuild simply because there's not enough roster space to hog them all up. People are going to have to get cut off. And let's just say the Thunder, they play this year by year and they don't make any sort of noise. This rebuild will simply not get to its full potential. You need to be able to harvest a lot of people in a very short span. Look at what happened in the OK3 era where you had KD, Westbrook, and James Harden in three consecutive years. Now, SGA, I guess he'd be entering his third year next season. I might be even wrong with that. I'm losing track of time here. But SGA, he's still relatively young. Like He's 21, 22 years old. It doesn't really matter. He still fits in this. He fits in this timeline perfectly. You hit this draft class where there's Cade, there is, you know, Evan Mobley, there's the two Jalens, there's Kuminga. Everybody is right there for the taking. And I know teams are going to be hard to kind of just give away any sort of players right now, but I would rather just trade, you know, three four picks, even some of them with value, like the back-end ones we have with the Clippers, or some of the swaps that we have with the Houston Rockets. Those are going to be very, very valuable, by the way. I'd spill out a couple of those just to ensure that they can take some of these guys at the top of the class. If they are sold on somebody, I say you just drop down, give damn near whatever you need. You know, the leverage would be in the other side's court, but you have Presti, so it evens out a bit, but I just... I'd give whatever the other GM wants, you know, because if Sam Presti is sold on somebody, he's got a pretty good grip on town evaluation. So I'd say do it. So if you need to trade up, if you need to give up hell, like six or seven of these future first round picks to get in the top five, I would say that's cool and you do it. Now, obviously, you're not going to be spilling these out for people that you're iffy on, but if it's a surefire star that the management loves, I would want Sam Presti to go out and grab them because you don't want to be stuck in this mediocrity phase. That's what's going to happen. And I think regardless of what happens in this year's draft class, the Thunder are not going to be entering the lottery next year with like top five lottery odds. It's not going to happen because SGA, Dort, and Bays on their own can elevate the Thunder past that you know, kind of grading scale anyways. So I just say, go for it this year, go for it next year even, and then you try to push into kind of championship territory. But, you know, you see how the lottery shapes up because you don't even know if you need to trade up here. But if that is the case, it seems like some of these teams, I know Troy Weaver talked about potentially wanting to trade regardless. I think that's just kind of talk. You know, if you're sold on somebody, you're going to take them. Uh, I think any GM, if they don't like a pick, will try to move up or move down the board. But my my thing is just make sure that you come out of this thing real happy with what you're getting. And if it costs you some of your future, that's entirely fine because there's still going to be a safety net there. You're not giving away 17 first-round picks in this draft to move up the board. 
shouldn't cost you that, probably will not cost you that anyways. But I just want to see the Thunder at least scoop up one of those top five picks. If you need to trade up because the luck doesn't pan out, that's fine with me. I'd say ideally, I would want to see a sidekick next to SGA first and foremost because next year's draft class, like past the 2021, like 2022's draft class, uh, I haven't looked a ton into it, but I know last time I checked up, I wasn't entirely sold on any of the guards. I think this is the year to hit on a guard because of Cunningham and Jalen Green in particular. They're both pretty tall at the positions. They can kind of switch back and forth play on and off the ball with SGA so I think you need to kind of pick up one of those honestly and if you can't get a three I think it's cool because you have Dort who's been great as a small ball three there's Poku who's on the rise and there's Darius Baisley too who I don't know if we're going to trade him I know that's kind of the piece everybody would want to move out of you know him Dort SGA Poku Maladone even he'd be the string that'd be pulled um, to move up on a board somewhere but I'd still say like regardless of what happens you could kind of figure things out I just think a guard to pair with SGA is number one priority for me and number two you know you can get a small forward if Evan Mobley is somehow in the Thunder's hands that'd be great too because we don't have a surefire center but that's kind of one of those other positions where you can try to kind of pan for gold and find somebody there or you can just kind of, through time, get a solid player who can just fill in the spot. Now, the Thunder, they want to have an X-Factor guy. They want to have someone who can kind of pick and pop, play right off of SGA, whoever may be next to him. That's Evan Mobley, kind of, in a nutshell, really. So he would be a great pick, too. But I don't know. I don't want to get greedy. I'm just saying that I think the Thunder need a top five pick to get someone next to SGA, to get someone who like the fan base the franchise is sold on being a star down the line and if the thunder somehow get another top 10 pick or wherever they may be they need to just go based off potential if it's a guy who sucks right now but has shown glimpses i say you go for him over like a upperclassman who was a superstar playing for like a blue chip school I don't really care for those guys. They could go in. Their floor is extremely high, sure. But that's not what the Thunder need to be doing. They need to be going for the home runs. And there's plenty of those. They got the biggest home run. They got the biggest swing or miss player in last year's draft class. And Alexei Pogashevsky. And even in the second round, they got Teo Maladon, who I don't even think was a hit or miss guy. I valued him as someone who would pan out very well. They somehow scooped him up. And he's looking very good. So just keep going along that baseline of potential over everything else. I think the Thunder would look very, very good. So the hope for all of this, like I mentioned, you need to have kind of a mock lineup of SGA at the one, at the two. If you somehow dig out a top five pick and you get a guard, you would want Jalen Green or Cunningham. And then behind them, probably Jalen Suggs too, but he'd still be very, very valuable for the roster. At the three and the four, it's tough because there's Dort, there's Poku, and there's Bays to choose from. Hell, they might even get a small forward in the draft too. Um, but yeah, if I had to kick one out to the bench, it'd be Bays. So I'd have Dort and Poku there. There might be a pick that makes things a little bit harder, but 
I think Baze just in general works better off the bench. Like when he has been the star of the show, that's when we've seen him get like 10 points in five minutes, rattle off penetration after penetration. I don't know if that kind of style would work with, you know, SGA returning number one and whoever the hell the Thunder would have in this random kind of mock scenario I just made up, like whatever. Uh, I don't think it'd work, so he'd be the bench guy. I think Dort and Poku would be fine with any sort of situation. And then at the five, there's Moses Brown slash Evan Mobley, whoever would be at that five spot. If Mobley's there, you kick Brown to the bench. If we get a lottery pick, I know there's, um, I, I forgot his name, it's like Sengun or something. Just any sort of top tier center in this draft class, you'd still probably kick Brown to the curb. I kind of see it less likely, though, um, for that to happen. So I'd just say Brown. And then off the bench, you'd have Teo Maladon. You have Ty Jerome, Kenrich Williams, Baisley, and whoever would be at that five. And even in that third unit, you have Gabrielle Deck and Isaiah Roby. And you can really just tinker around with how that bench works. But that's a very strong core of what? Like, I think that would be 10, 11 guys. That's where you want to sit at. You want to sit at a spot where everyone on the roster, you are looking at them saying that you think they could be very, very good in the future. You don't really want any stale guys who are just diminishing. I think there is not really anyone like that currently on the roster. Um, You know, there's Horford, there's Muscala too, but I don't think they're going to be there. But I'm just going to go out and say that, you know, by the end of this, like I said at the very beginning, you need to have a roster where you look at it and say just one, maybe two pieces away, and you are geared up for a full-on championship run. You get that lineup, like I said, where you hit on one of those guards. You get a Jalen Green, you get a Cunningham next to SGA, and you somehow can like trade up to get, I don't know, a Jalen Johnson, a Kaminga, or a Scotty Barnes. You are going to be set up, and you can swap out one of those for like an Evan Mobley or something. You're still going to be set up. That is going to be a success, but a lot of this comes from the draft, and I think that's really just how it all gets sorted out here. Look at the lottery, though, and look at the coin flips tomorrow. That should give you a little bit more detail on kind of where you could go with this. It's going to be big for the coin flip because, like I said, the Thunder win, worst they can get is eight they lose they could actually fall to the ninth best pick in this draft and on the surface that's good but there are kind of groups forming out in the NBA draft and it's kind of a safety blanket like you want to be in the top five anyways but you don't want to be sitting at nine when you were tied for the fourth best record in the league so I'm going to be talking about the coin flips in the next episode probably more draft stuff I want to just go into like prospect by prospect episodes where you can go back and listen to them will pretty much be timeless until the draft kind of gears up. Uh, that's the hope here. I'll probably be able to get some sort of guests on here too. I know I was talking to some of the other members of the basketball podcast network, some of the other affiliates in kind of the lower tier of teams uh, for like draft lottery content think that will work out in the next coming weeks so get ready for that i'm trying to line up some more guests too for the podcast so stay tuned for everything that is coming but other than that though guys that is going to wrap up today's episode i thank you all for listening and i will talk to you all next time see ya